0: You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another awesome
1: episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. I am your host, Andrew Lowen, and I am joined, as always, by Rick and Sean. How are you guys doing today? Hi, okay. guys? What's up, nerds? Whoop, whoop. On this episode, we're going to talk about the magic circle again. This is a concept in marketing rather a concept in entertainment that I'm going to apply to marketing because I had a, a conversation with a client recently about this. And it turns out that if you want to make really, really amazing ads, landing pages, you know, all the things that you do for your game, the magic circles are really, really important concept. Didn't realize how much it permeated through marketing. Uh, but with our show, we're going to be tooling around with some new format and, um, so that we become timeless. And we know that you love listening to our voices now. So uh, we're just going to um, entertain you with tales of glory. So uh, this segment we call What's Up Nerds? And we're bringing it back. Uh, we're just going to talk about something that is near and dear to our hearts for a short enough time that it shouldn't annoy you. And then we'll get into news. And then we're going to get into our topic at hand. So Sean, you're on the hot seat. What's up, nerds?
2: Well, I just finished a staff training video for the crowdfunding nerds. It was um, so good. <laughs> we've we've posted that in the the Facebook group, so you can check that out. If you play World of Warcraft, it'll make perfect sense. If you haven't, then it'll make no sense whatsoever. But you probably get the general gist.
1: Basically, it's a warrior dueling a warlock and being extremely skilled. And it's the longer you watch it, the better it gets. And at the end, it it had me laughing out loud. So.
0: It's pretty darn good.
2: Just make sure you have your volume down lower than usual because
0: it was it blew my ears out when
2: I just hit the play button. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose uh, we're all at 16. We're making those videos, aren't we? So.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to say, I don't, I don't know if this is nerdy, but I, I mean, I think it's more like you guys are just stuck in the past, like from 20 years ago, because isn't that like... World War of Warcraft, Warcraft was
1: the best game that ever happened to me A- at the time. Like when you think about it, there are certain games that just explode your mind and you're, it's like, wow, the world is so much bigger and more amazing than I thought. And I remember playing final fantasy seven, which was just amazing. I remember playing, you know, world of Warcraft was one of those that was like, who would ever pay to play a video game? that's stupid. And they had this, you know, monthly subscription model. And I remember playing after probably two days, my eyes were just like, you know, wide and, I entered into this different world. It was like I was playing Second Life, like Facebook Meta, but I was actually enjoying myself and going there <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, I so.
0: mean it's a, it's a great deal if that's what you do all day. I mean, if you think about it, fifteen bucks and you play like every night for six hours a night. I mean, you're getting good bang for your buck on that one.
1: Oh, we were playing twelve hours a night. We were playing 12 hours a night. I remember... 18 hours,
2: man. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I remember going two hours, We had 22 hours in on
2: this game a night. No, I, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was my first online game. So that's why it was so memorable. Because before that, I'd been playing like Half-Life, which wasn't online. I didn't play Counter-Strike. And I'd been playing things like console games, like PlayStation 2 games or whatever. So it was my so you guys, first
0: you guys are too young
2: on online world.
0: When you get a chance, look up Legend of the Red Dragon. Do I right now. That is an <laughs> online multiplayer text-based game on bulletin board systems back in the 90s. That was like the first I ever played uh, online. Systems. Yes, BBSs, uh, pre-AOL. Well, they were around when AOL was around. But it was like they were like small versions of AOL. But there are bulletin board systems still online today. They're through Telnet. Telnet. I have the game that was one of the big ones the other one was trade wars where you're in space and you trade stuff That's it's amazing. like drug wars but in space um.
1: the first game i remember ever playing online was diablo one i remember playing over local area internet and i remember playing i didn't remember what it was called but it was like you know you've got like four or up to eight players that could be in a game and i remember people would pk the, the term pk is player kill they would kill you and explode your body because of some glitch and take your stuff. Those were the days. The good
0: old days. Me and my friends and my older brother and his friends would get together like once a week, like it usually was every Saturday, and we would either play a very large game of Dungeons and Dragons. We had to extend the table out for room for everyone, or we would all bring our humongous uh, desktop computers and string them together for a LAN party and play some kind of like shoot 'em up game or something. All against each other in the same room. Those are the good old days. Alright, so
1: let's get into news. That was fun, but stupid.
0: Crowdfunding Nerd News. Featuring SEO Wizard Rick. Hey, it's SEO Wizard Rick here with this week's Crowdfunding Nerd News. Sorry, that's all I had. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, let me pull up my little my screen prompter here. Cyanide and Happiness. They previously had two Kickstarter projects. One uh, was called uh, Joking Hazard, which I believe that game is in Target and other fine retailers. Uh, which they did over three million dollars, and then later on they did a game called Trial by Trolley, where they did about three point five million dollars on Kickstarter. Recently, they decided to leave Kickstarter based on its uh, blockchaining stuff they've, they've been planning on doing and delaying but they still want to do it and they went to Gamefound um, and they said that they were happy this was a an article on um, Vice. They said that they were happy with the results. however, I think we need to discuss it because you know you got three million on the first one, 3.5 on the second one and roughly about a half million on that on that one on Gamefound. Um, right now they're on post sales. At about six hundred thousand dollars total, but you know that doesn't sound like three million to me. See, I don't think that people
1: got upset at their last games and said these aren't fun or or something like that. I I don't think it it could have been anything like that. I would say that they probably had enough just in their email list by themselves to pull in over ten thousand backers. In fact, they had over thirty thousand followers. You know of you know in that in their latest campaign on GameFound, and my suspicion is just that the theme is not one that interested a lot of their audience compared to, you know, how, I mean, like, for example, Trial by Trolley, everybody that, you know, wants to have a party game can enjoy Trial by Trolley, but the Master Dater game, it has, uh, I mean, you know, it does have a little bit more of an adult theme, but it's really more like an adult singles theme. And that to me seems quite niche, and may explain why a lot of their audience didn't spring for it. Uh, maybe they were expecting that, uh, that it was more of a niche product. Maybe they're just thinking it's going to do way better at retail and specialty shops like Spencer Gifts or something. <laughs> Spencer's.
0: Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, to me, I think uh, the theming is on point with their other themes. It's it's that witty, you know, slightly potty humor. And it's also still a – it's not like a two-player game. It's still a group game. So, I mean, that could be a, an issue, but I don't think that would have you know, been like a $3 million issue. I think it's the platform. I do feel discriminated because if you look at the characters in the game, they're all people who like are good daters. Like you got like Lunk, the strongest dater, and then you got Harry, the handsome butcher, and Dr. Monogamous, and then the master dater. Where's the fat, ugly guy that represents me? I don't <laughs> see him in this game. <laughs> I'm swiping left on this one. Um, another thing on GameFound I noticed, at least recently... I don't go on GameFound very much. it's probably why they don't do very well, because all my money's elsewhere.
1: Because Richard doesn't go on GameFound, they don't do very well.
0: Yeah, if I don't see it, nice. I don't bet. I I can't. I can't. I can't give you my money. You know, that's how it works. That's how marketing works. And, spe- and speaking of that, I'm on the GameFound page for data right now, and on the very top is a banner for another game. That GameFound is at. I, I mean, the, isn't the point of having your own dedicated? Page to advertise your stuff and not let the big boy advertise something else on your page.
1: I mean, Kickstarter does similar things. They just don't put it in the in in, in the, the
0: very top on the header, the first thing you yeah. see. Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs>
1: think that that is something that Gamefound should probably find a different way to advertise games. But you know, really, they they what they're trying to do, and this is what Kickstarter does so well. Kickstarter has systems that put together basically advertise other games to you after you back a game on Kickstarter. So you've, you know, you've got the email that says, Hey, you backed, congratulations. We think you'd also like these three projects or, you know, let everybody know you backed. And by the way, here are recommendations based on this, this, uh you know, purchase. And I think that every correspondence that they give you, it also includes other projects and game found. I, I don't think their internal system is, as we'll say as refined as that kickstarter system you know for for advertising and whatnot and so i i mean it's it's acceptable for now you know like the the banner ad across across the top but i do think that they're basically taking advantage of the Current projects on there. Right?
0: I, I don't like it. I I, I do agree with the uh, the Amazon ish style where you have like your 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 project and you know at the end here's some similar projects. If you don't like this, you know, but this one's like blatant. It's on the very top. It's got a button that says "click here." I mean, and then there's under it's a little button that says "hide this notification." They don't even call it an ad. It's a notification. I don't know if that's misleading or not, because uh, <laughs> it looks like an ad to me.
1: What I find really funny is how there's a, a board game a table uh, campaign that's coming to Kickstarter and right at the top in the banner, it's got another board game table coming to Kickstarter. Um, Yeah. See what's that's, that's not right. Which I are coming to game found. Sorry. Which, yeah, I I definitely think that there's some cannibalization people are going to be like, Oh, I didn't know about this project. Maybe I'll back that one instead. Um, So I I think at the end of the
2: day game found is getting a backer, aren't they? So that's what they're getting paid no matter what you back. Well, well, I'm assuming and, you know, they, we the banner as an extra campaign.
0: package that you can get, or you you know yeah. you pay extra.
1: Yeah, you know when they ran the Skyrim campaign, or when we ran the Skyrim campaign, uh, the return on ad spend was like ninety dollars for every dollar spent, right? And crazy numbers, like wow, we, we should spend infinite money. But it, it was that so we put the uh, Facebook pixel in the game found, you know, in the Skyrim game found like the marketing section or whatever. We were able to install the Facebook pixel and it was recording everything that a backer that we brought in would do on GameFound. So they might back Skyrim for whatever, 150 bucks or 250 bucks, whatever the pledge level was that they wanted. And then they might look around and back something else. And GameFound was actually crediting all of the sales um, to that Facebook pixel. And it uh, you know, it's, I mean, I'm glad that they're able to bring it in with the pixel, but uh, it wasn't all going to our client, and so we had to be careful about, you know, making decisions off of that data. But um, it was great for Gamefound. You know, the more creators move from uh, Kickstarter to Gamefound, the more they are, you know, the more Gamefound is going to exponentially grow. You know, when you get a big company like Simon sending hundreds of thousands of people there, you're gonna, you know, Gamefound is going to benefit you know, all the projects are going to
0: benefit. Yeah. And one thing I noticed though, is there's a lot of companies now leaving these platforms because they're not getting the um advertising uh, data they need. Like you said, you know, you put a, you put a thing on Kickstarter, it's everything the person buys. Well, that doesn't help the person of the one game. It, you know, it, it throws off their stats. Um I just put a link up uh, on your, on your guys' screen on if you can see it or not. But um like, here's a company called EcoFlow that does, uh you know, solar, solar, solar power stations and whatnot. And they got this, this new air conditioner, portable air conditioner, they're getting ready to sell. And if you look at the page, uh, I said we'll put it in the notes real, real quick. It's literally a crowdfunding system. It's got the same setup. It's got it says there's five hundred forty nine thousand people interested in the product. You can like it, follow it, um, and then you hit the pre order now button, and it shows all the different packages. It's the same thing, but they're doing it on their own site. And I've noticed a lot of companies are starting to do that, where they're doing their own pre orders and you know their own fundraising on their own site now.
1: Yeah, you know, I've seen other companies do that too. Uh, The the, probably the most, you know, as far as the most uh, prominent in my memory is Hasbro did this. For oh, what was it called?
2: Hero Quest. The best thing about Hero Quest is the broadsword. Broadsword. Broadsword.
1: Fire of wrath. Hero Quest. Yes, oh, I
0: loved Hero Quest. That was a great game.
1: Yeah, they relaunched Hero Quest, and they said, "We'll make this if uh, if we get a million dollars in orders." And they got that in like you know ten minutes or whatever it was. But but yeah, I mean they saved the five percent fee that Kickstarter would charge and they saved probably a little bit on processing because they have a deal with the merchant processor but um, i would say overall i'm not sure if they actually saved more money and it got more benefit in the end or not because with a giant like kickstarter it's not about saving money it's more about being a marketing engine marketing mouthpiece maybe an amplifier for your project and so when companies try to be uh, cheeky by using other systems, I don't think that they're doing themselves any favors other than, you know, maybe Hasbro will attempt to grow the crowdfunding side of of their business. And they're a monster way larger than, you know, any, any other company currently in the space. So, you know, yeah, and just, one just one last note. <clears throat>
0: Amazon tried it for like six months. I don't know if you guys remember. It was like, what, a year and a half ago. They had ones where like, oh, if you if we get this many backers, we'll make the product and sell it to you. And that lasted for like six months and then it disappeared. So I guess it didn't quite work out. But that's all the time we have for crowdfunding nerd news. It's on now to your regular podcast where SEO Wizard Rick is not as entertaining.
1: Yeah, let's get into our topic at hand. I, I really wanted to talk about this concept called the magic circle. And in particular, relate it to marketing uh, because we use it a lot in marketing. So um, the impetus for this conversation was actually a, a conversation that was inspired in, an, in a different Facebook group about someone's ads just weren't working. You know, someone running their own ads and they weren't working. And I've talked to this person back and forth before. Uh, ben, it's, you know, if you're listening to this, hi.
2: Hi, Ben. What's up, Ben? He's like, yeah, right now.
1: (laughs) So a lot of the ad text was uh, selling language or very straightforward, you know, hey, uh, buy two games for the price of one or get, you know, $10 off uh, this game. Buy now, don't miss out and other things like that. And it really, you know, I, I understood the angle that they were going for. It really seemed like they were going for that fear of missing out, you know, back now, don't wait, you know, while supplies last sort of thing. And I feel, I felt... You know, I gave feedback and they, they said that their cost per click was high. It's a dollar 10 per click. And you know, I, I just kind of chimed in and gave my feedback about, you know, the ads that it, it was clear that either one of two things are wrong when your cost per click is really high, either you are marketing to the wrong groups. Like for example, if you're selling a board game and you're marketing to grandmas over the age of 70, that love knitting. Their, your cost per click is going to be high because they're not really going to appreciate your ads very much unless it's for something cute that they can pinch your cheek, its cheeks or whatever. The idea is that either the audience is wrong, or the current audience is right, but they're not resonating with the message, so they're just not responding very well. And in both cases, in in one case it's hey you change your audience, you know you need to if you're marketing a board game you need to market toward board gamers that like Kickstarter and maybe have some other type of interest. But in the other case where the the messaging is wrong, the audience is right, but, you know, and in and, and board games, you can clearly identify the right audience. It's like board gamers that also bat games on Kickstarter. That's something that you can segment on Facebook ads. But, you know, when it's, when the audience is right and the messaging is wrong, your ad needs to change. And the problem was that the ad text was all based on I will, I will say like things that kind of pull you out of the, the, the immersion of, of a product and focus on, you know, look how shiny it is and, and, you know, look how many boxes you can get and things like that. And um, I tend to feel that immersive ad text is the way to sell stuff. So I wanted to talk about the magic circle.
2: Where'd you get this term from? Because I want to read you something. Trapezoid was the name of the founding body, the original magic circle of the Church of Satan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, similar because they're both circular shaped.
2: So who told you about this concept? Was it Anton LeVay? <laughs>
1: okay. <So laughs> the magic circle is a theory in games and digital media has nothing to do with Satan, uh, at least on the surface. Maybe it does beneath, and maybe I should change the concept. I'll come up. With, I'll coin a new term: the virtuous circle. I don't know. I mean, it's also um, a
0: crochet thing, but I think you got this term from uh, from Ultima Online. You know, your gaming nerd brain was like, "Oh, magic circle," which is the space where the normal rules and reality of the world are suspended and replaced by an artificial reality of a game world. Okay,
1: boom. That's it right there. So
2: <laughs> yeah, man, it sounds like Satanism to me. You try to pull one on this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so guys, you know Marvel. Imagine just watching the first Avengers. Totally going to spoil stuff because everyone's seen that right now, or by now.
0: Um, Except so for me. You have
1: to, so, Well, I mean, if you haven't seen it
0: by now, then... It's cute on my Disney Plus. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so you have like 18 movies to watch before you get to Avengers. Yes. Um, so anyway, the, the, the concept of the magic circle in action is you sit down in front of your television and you watch a um, like you're watching Avengers. You have to suspend your normal belief about the world and accept that there's a dude that's flying around by the power of a hammer. And that's like normal. And then also there are giant dragons that drop from portals in the sky above New York city. And that's like suspenseful and real. And then also there's this girl who is a black widow who is like, has no superpower whatsoever except for her ability to assassinate people. She can scissor leg take down anything, no matter its (laughs) size, as long as it's not a final boss. Um, And so, and these are just things that you have to accept if you're going to watch Avengers. So also Elon Musk has a robot suit and that's (laughs) like, and he fights crime. So, and that's normal in this universe. So each universe quote unquote, as like a game concept, has to set its own rules. And everybody that's playing that product or that, that game, they don't think I'm moving these cubes across a board. They're thinking I'm running to the finish line in a race or whatever the theme of that game is, right? So the idea is that they suspend their belief about what is real and buy into your universe and say, okay, I'm accepting this these parameters as true. So the reason that all of this relates to marketing is because when you're creating, so, uh, going back to the original example, when the, you know, it was either audience was wrong or the, or the, the ad text was wrong, uh, or the creatives were wrong. The, um, the actual creatives were the problem and the idea is that in order to make really, really great ad text or really, really great landing pages, you should pull people into the magic circle of your game. Just assume that they've stepped through a door into your game's universe and you're talking to them in your, you know, kind of your game language and treating them as a character in the game. In fact, so it works really well because, you know, when you think about it, the whole reason that we play games and, you know, is to kind of escape reality. One, one way is it serves as an escape to take you to some fantasy epic fun world or whatever. And we have kind of grown very accustomed to looking for those sorts of experiences. The people that love, you know, fantasy games or sci-fi games or whatever it is that your game happens to be, you should really leverage the, the interest that people have for that particular theme. I think in the way that books do it, they treat people intelligently and the, the greatest books don't try to explain themselves and why this is the way it is. I, I would say probably, um, you know, one of the best examples I have for a, a book or a movie or whatever that brings you into the magic circle is Harry Potter. Is that a pun? You're a wizard, Harry. And then it's a normal kid that's like super abused and neglected. And then all of a sudden a big fat guy on on a motorcycle flies out of the sky and says, you talking about
0: me on the podcast. Jeez, I'm right here. No, this guy had lots and lots of hair.
1: Lots of hair. Oh, I'm um, lacking in that part. <laughs> and I don't know if you have a Class B license, but you can't be driving a motorcycle without that. Oh. So,
2: um, Especially in the sky.
1: Yeah. So, uh, super legal. Carriages that carry themselves, whomping willows that try to murder children, and everyone's fine with it. Like, all of this stuff is just kind of it, not explained to you, but you experience it. Right. And, you know, I should have probably used Lord of the Rings as a, uh, a reference because I feel like Harry doing magic is bad, but Gandalf doing magic
2: is good. Uh, this is just too nerdy. <laughs> Keep your fork tongue behind your teeth. <laughs> the best you fire death to badly words with witless uh. worms.
0: So, so, Andrew, how does this magical... I'm going to put in quotes. Magical circle apply to my game? All of the marketing that
1: you do for your game, the Facebook ads that you write, the landing page that you put together, your Kickstarter page, the back of the box, all of that should draw people into the universe and immerse them into your the the theme of what it is that you've got going on. And the the more you do that, the more people will resonate with what it is that you've written. Okay, so Ben, he uh, Ben Downton is talking about his game called Micro Dojo, which he's just looking to do a better job with ads and, and that kind of thing. I think he's doing a great job, you know, exploring and, and trying, but you know, his cost per click is high and his his ad text you know, it's like his headlines. The short, you know, bold headline. Talk, you know, get your copy now. Order your copy now. Don't miss out. Get the Kickstarter exclusive or or buy the complete edition. This is all selling language, and uh, it's it's not you know thematic or immersive. So you know, the primary text area would be the area that that all of the the words you know of the ad are are placed. Those are the things. That's the first thing people will read. Uh, They'll probably look at the picture, the creative that's associated with the ad. They'll read the primary text and the headline and then decide if it's worth a click or not. Right. And the text is again, I'll read a couple of them and then, you know, I'll I'll explain what might be a better choice for immersiveness. Um, So one is, you know, two games for just $20 or $30 MicroDojo and the expansion Loyalty and Deceit get the complete edition on GameFound. You've got another one that's tight tactical gameplay. 20-minute playtime, a great one- to two-player experience in a tiny package. Late pledges are now open for MicroDojo. This gorgeous deluxe edition offers both games for $20 or $30 on GameFound. So now there's one that I found to be the most immersive of all of them. You've got a kind of a quote which says, "Uh, This cute little game is surprisingly deep. Battle with your opponent or against the solo AI to win the Shogun's favor and bring prosperity to the town in this hit micro game. That actually, I think, is a good primary text. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, it's it's immersive, right? So, my suggestions. Oh, and he had images, by the way. His his uh, images. He had one image that, or maybe variants of an image that uh, he used, which showed the two boxes. So, micro dojo boxes. They look nice, and they had four meeples next to them, which are like your your like martial artists of some kind, like you know monks or or you know, martial artists in, in geese, like wooden silk screened meeples. So I, I felt like the media, it should really show the game set up. If you could, I mean, it'd be super cool to get it, like have a rising sun right behind it and other things like that outside. But the game actually set up on a table, I think would be more influential. Even honestly, even the box on a white background and Sean, you can probably talk about this one. The box on a white background, it shows what it is and it, it allows people to imagine more than if you actually even show components but uh, yeah, i think sometimes- what it does
2: as well is that it, it blends with the facebook interface with the facebook background because there's only one thing on the ad it means you're completely focused on that one thing so it's a very way to bring it very good way to bring attention to just a single single object or a single thing so we've seen it great success with just running box images with like white backgrounds plain white backgrounds.
1: There's no confusion as to whether this is a video game or a board game or a book or a whatever, right? Sometimes, you know, even with really cool, like we used like 15 second video clips of deliverance and other clients of ours, we've used video clips. And if it looks like a, a 3D rendered, you know, scene that's 15 seconds long, it's, it might be perceived as a video game rather than a board game. Even if it's showing standees and cards and other things like that, you still may, you know, misrepresent to some people because you know they're thinking about whatever. You know, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's trial or something. And
2: my wife's obsessed with for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> my too, too. Like why? Why are you watching this? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like a daytime soap opera. It's pretty. It's. I mean, both sides are bad.
2: mean I go to a YouTube channel and it's just like all the recommendations that have to do with that. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one, one point I, I bring up is that that messaging is, I, I would say, very aggressive. Which would be fine for people lower in the funnel. So, if you've, if people have already seen two, three of your ads, have gone to your website, they've uh, joined your email list, you can have messaging like that. This is now on GameFound. This is the price because they're lower in your funnel. They've had more experience with you. And so it was like, think, think about like, the call to purchase is like a call to ask someone to marry you. You don't just walk up to walk up to someone and say, hey, will you marry me? You know, you, there's, there's intrigue, there's discussion, there's, you know, it takes time to warm the person up to the point where you say, will you marry me? And it's the same in, in marketing. So it's basically what we're doing. We're trying to prepare people, get them ready for, the, the big moment where they say, "I do
0: <laughs> well, sometimes though they're like that What was that sixty day fiance or whatever, sometimes they just jump right in so <laughs> but yeah you want you wanna, you you start general with a with 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 the with the feel you want to go with the feelers, you want to put the feelers in there, get the feelings in on your description, and then, as you keep showing them ads, get more detailed on what exactly they're going to be doing,
1: yeah, and you know this is actually you know, it relates to the way that we funnel people in, you know, you get people to your page or to your landing page with an ad on Facebook. They discover the game for the very first time. They sign up for the email list because they want more information. Well, now they're expecting information that you send them via email. You can be a little bit more direct there. I mean, eventually you're going to send an email that says back our Kickstarter now. And that's about as aggressive and direct as you can, as I can think of. Um, but, you know, or, you know, in some cases like order now or pre-order now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's totally appropriate and, and warranted and, and desired at that point. As you mentioned, Sean, you can also retarget people who have had experience with your product before. Maybe, you know, they've been sent emails and they unsubscribed from your list or, um, you know, whatever you, you can funnel all of those into Facebook ads and market to those people and you can remind them about your product or maybe people who've interacted with your Facebook posts or your, or, or your page or something like that, you can retarget and market to these people too. And you can be a little bit more direct because you've already helped them get introduced to your stuff. If uh, you know, if you're a little bit more direct, sometimes it actually helps people jump off the fence and, and actually take action. Because they actually, they have context of what this product is, you know, like micro dojo, you know, it, it would be, it would make a lot more sense if I was talking to people that maybe I had met at a convention at one point, or had been to my landing page and subscribed to my email list or other things like that. So, yeah. So I, you know, in, in the conversation I recommended, you know, the number one, I think that every one of these you know, immersive text, this, this style of immersive text, it focuses on the game itself, the game world itself. And it, it doesn't focus on real life things. I think focusing on the number of players, the playtime, even the style of game is not w- the way we think when we're actually gathered around a table. I, like when I'm playing Scythe, I don't think I can't wait to play a Euro game. I think I can't wait to pick my factions. I can't wait to explore and discover whatever those things are called. Those, those exploration tokens.
0: Or do neither and still up. win like me. <laughs>
1: yeah, <seriously. laughs> you just hide in your base all day, Rick. Well, <laughs>
0: cool. also one thing um, to also at the magic circles to also make sure to use it in uh, your other communications yeah. like email. In fact, I believe we had a podcast episode where you talked about doing that, but you didn't call it the magic circle. Unless I'm forgetting something
1: the magic circle has just existed in my heart until this podcast and evidently everywhere on the internet. Uh, Oh, and in the ninth circle of hell, uh, as Sean pointed out. So, yeah. So I I think that the, you want, you know, for us, we've found a lot of success introducing each email in a thematic way, you know, for the most part. Um, And again, you know, with emails that are kind of warming people up, I would introduce more thematically And emails where people already know what it is, you can actually say, hi, you know, a letter from the creator behind the project, I think is okay. And that's a little bit more direct in one word you might use is a little more aggressive or whatever. But yeah, so I think, you know, with in regard to this uh, micro dojo project, you know, when you focus on the game itself, what I mean is, you know, make your ad text thematic, you know, to, to the game's. Well, uh, make your ad text relevant to the game's theme. You know, like uh, I mentioned, welcome to Micro Dojo. Now get on your kimono because it's time to fight. Something like that is interesting. It's like, okay, this is, seems like, I, you know, and I'm just coming up with stuff because I've never actually played Micro Dojo. I'm just, you know, riffing. Um, enter the Micro Dojo and take on the role of a tiny meeple determined to win the hand of the princess. Can you do what it takes or will your house fall in dishonor?
0: That's called Super Mario Brothers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, but you didn't hear my headline yet. Oh, sorry you have to commit seppuku if you lose. It's not super mario anymore.
0: I don't know what seppuku is. Is that like sudoku?
1: Uh suicide because you dishonor your family? Uh have you ever seen Mulan?
2: Yes. Well, a long time. Dishonor, ago.
1: dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow.
2: Okay, I've seen the last samurai. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah. There you go. That one was that's more a better fun. example Yeah, so that's that's kind of the concept. Now, the idea behind the magic circle I think the magic circle also relates to one other area that is very important that we have time to discuss on this podcast, which is your customer avatar. So I was discussing with a client, um, you know, this magic circle concept today and you know, how to apply it. And I was showing them some of the deliverance, you know, ads and, uh, you know, I'm happy to do that for anybody. If you want to jump on zoom with me, I can show you kind of how we built our ads and that sort of thing. But, um, the concept of the magic circle is very apparent in the way that we built our ads, but our targeting, uh, really fascinated this person. Um, his name's Chris. Hi, Chris. If you're listening to this, he was interested in the way I targeted people. I targeted basically church nerds in varying ways, people that were interested in like tabletop games that went to church of some kind or were interested in some sort of church interest because deliverance is a religious themed game. I wanted to target people that were of, of that particular religion. Then we would split that very broad group, like church board gamers, by um, a different nerd interest. And we did Star Trek. We did Star Wars. We did Lord of the Rings. We did Narnia and Harry Potter. And there were a couple of others. But interestingly enough, um, Star Trek did better than Narnia. Star Wars did better than everything. And Lord of the Rings didn't really move the needle a whole lot. So I find the way that we talk to these people varied based on those interests and the things they really liked, like space wizards, you know? You know, we used uh, the Demon Slaying board game. It's kind of our most popular ad text right now. Well, flaming
2: swords are in the Bible, so that's where Star Wars got it from, I guess. <laughs>
1: there you go. That's what I'm talking about. The OG. Yes. So the concept behind the customer avatar... Is it's more than just your target market. You're trying to define exactly who your target market is and what they care about, where they're at, like what stage they're at in their life, and all that, all that stuff. So the um, you know, you're you're dealing and, and you need to communicate with them in the stage they're at in ways that they understand, you know. And so my customer avatars liked, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and things like that. And those people are very interested in thematic story.
2: Yeah, I think keeping it simple as well. I, I, whenever we've tried to do kind of crazy things with deliverance with the messaging, it's definitely really worked. It's always been the sort of tried and tested simple, keep it simple, silly, <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Those have always done better. So start simple. And then if that doesn't work, then try something complex, I guess, would be my advice. Yeah. So,
1: any other thoughts based upon this magic circle or?
2: In summary, focus on theme. And that's the key takeaway here. The theme of your game is what's going to get people interested from there. You can build on other elements of your game, like mechanics or, you know, what makes this unique or whatever, but theme, theme, theme is the big, big thing. And, And how the game is, how victory is achieved and leverage those two things in your advertising and you should see better results. Yeah.
1: You know, people want to know who am I, you know, whether you're in front of a person at a convention booth or you're, you know, talking to somebody through a Facebook ad they want to know who am I? Uh, why do I care? Or, well, who am I? What am I doing? And why do I, why should I care? Right. Why should my character care? You know, in in, a, in the actor's way, because Rick is a method actor, what's in my motivation? <laughs> um, I think those things matter to a player because, and if those things fit with, you know, how you win the game, all of that can Lead to to a very very satisfied backer, but I think that you're right. Lead with theme and teach them who they are and why it matters. Um, Teach them what it is that they're doing, and I think you'll have uh, better results. So,
0: sorry, I got I got sidetracked on on the magic circle. Uh, Apparently, the origin uh, dates back to the uh, early late 1800s, early 1900s. So, I thought
1: Satan fell at like 4,000 BC.
0: Well, I mean, I'm talking about in in for virtual world worlds are, is what they call it.
2: In fact, that's this easy. the term was used
0: uh, in plays.
2: Plays by Freemasons, that's what.
0: No, this is before. Well, actually, no, it could be. <laughs> I, was say, I was like, it's before free. No. Nope. <laughs> and with that said, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. So make sure you go ahead and find your inner magic circle. And if you can't, we have this lovely thing called Facebook, the Facebook, where you can go and look up crowdfunding nerds. And you could actually ask other people questions about your magic circle. (laughs) (laughs) And we have such a great community. You will get a very good response from somebody. Don't know who, but someone will respond to you.
2: (laughs) There's that one guy from, I don't know, like India or something that keeps on posting his Fiverr link. So he might respond to you.
1: Yeah, I have deleted that (laughs) thing so many times.
0: Or the, the guy with
2: the tennis contraption that
0: had 13 backers and he just joined. in the same day, the first post was about his Kickstarter. Got to start somewhere, Richard. But he funded with only 13 backers. Hey, yeah, you know, Whoa. whatever floats your boat.
1: <laughs> Pretty sure he's a rich, like Saudi oil billionaire.
0: And if you enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to some previous podcasts, we have this great archive on our website at crowdfundingnerds.com. And then just stick around because, you know, next week we're going to talk about the magic square yeah
2: that's gonna get
0: me going all week
2: after we teach you a secret handshake (laughs) but until then
0: stay safe have a great time stay nerdy peace